Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Hallelujah. I'm just going to dive right into it this morning. And if you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll turn to the book of Galatians chapter 3, I want to read a passage of Scripture there. Um, You know, I have prayed for months over this morning. I have prayed for a long time. I felt in my spirit that I needed to take a few weeks. And I'm in the middle of a series called A Rapture Ready Church. And uh, the truth is, to be a rapture ready church, we have to be ready to be able to meet a world, uh, our world, in the last day's uh, hour. And we are living in the last day's hour. And so, but we know that any moment, as the scripture teaches, that in the twinkling of an eye, that the Lord shall descend and could descend with a shout, with the, with the trump and the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Amen? Praise God. And we which remain shall be caught up together with him. Hallelujah. Changed in a moment. Praise God. How many know you get your new body? How many are ready for a new body? I don't know about you, but I, I'm get, starting to get old enough where I feel like I'm ready for a new body. And, uh, and changed in a moment, and this thing wraps up. And the Lord is coming soon. We know that he is. But are you ready to meet him? Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood of Jesus? Have you come to the cross? Have you allowed the blood to wash your sins away? Have you been made whole and been made brand new? And that's what it's about. Because this, this up here is about the gospel. It's about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I have felt for months that uh, in my spirit that uh, I needed to preach a series of sermons that dealt with what is, our culture is going through. And, uh, and, and I believe there are, there are four areas, really, that, we, that biblically we need to have a strong biblical understanding of. One is we need to understand what the Scripture teaches about racism because we're in the middle of a cultural war, and we need to understand what does God want us to do as a church? How do we heal and keep from dividing this nation racially? Y'all hear what I'm saying? And, 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 of course, uh, there is the issue of immigration. I mean, no, immigration is a huge issue in our nation. Huge. Massive. And then there's the issue of the, our relationship with Israel, as the Scripture teaches. And then how do we awaken a nation? How do we awaken a nation? How do we wake, awaken a sleeping giant that God has put his hand upon uh, at one time, and how does God begin to wake up nations that one time uh, held incredible moves of God? How does God wake up Great Britain? How does God wake up the nation of Germany who has such heritage, a godly heritage? How does God awaken Africa? How does God awaken America? And be, the sons of God begin to rise up and become what God wants us to be in these last days. And so we need to talk about them. And so uh, I'm, I'm not the perfect person to do it, but God's laid it on my heart, and I believe we have to do it. I believe we have to address it. And so uh, uh, I'm going to do my best to try to do that this morning. I want to read a passage of Scripture out of the book of Galatians as a foundational um, 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 Scripture this morning. And uh, we've been talking about the spirit of Nimrod out of Genesis chapter 10 and 11, the table of nations. Now listen to me. I want to say something about that. The Tower of Babel. When, when, when Nimrod brought the people to the Tower of Babel, they had all had one language. And what God wanted to do, he wanted the nations to scatter. Now, why did God want to do that? Because God wanted nations 
but he wanted all the nations to have the same language. You hear what I'm saying? He wanted nations because the scripture is full of God's desire for nations. And so he wanted to scatter the world, but all have the same language. But Nimrod in rebellion said, we're going to do it our way. And so he gathered them. And so because of their rebellion, God confused their language. They scattered, but they had confused language. And what happened was, what began as to be nations, now broke out into what is called ethnicities. Y'all hearing me? God works with nations. The truth is, the root of racism has come through the door of ethnicity, not through nations. And the spirit of Nimrod, the spirit of confusion, the whole idea there is that God's desire was that the world would continue to have one, one language but many nations. Just as God continues to have one baptism, one faith, right? One Bible, one enters one way to God, right? Through Christ Jesus, through the cross, Man can't find it. Every culture don't have its own way to salvation and its own way to eternity. The Bible said there's one man that's a mediator between God and man. That is the man child, Christ Jesus. Jesus died for every nation. He died for every tongue, every ethnicity, right? It's his desire that all of them come to the knowledge of Christ. But because of confusion now, ethnicities have come in and ethnicities had brought confusion because not everybody speaks the same language. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes sense to you. I'm just coming at it from, I don't know. I'm just coming at it. (laughs) 2016, I accompanied my daughter Caroline to Little Rock, Arkansas. We were, I had taken her. She was in the middle of doing research for a professor at her college who was publishing a book on abolitionism, also publishing a book, and she was doing research for him uh, that dealt with those, that, that, uh, those who went to uh, universities and college in the midst of the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. We drove to Little Rock, Arkansas. We met there. She met with a professor at the University of Arkansas. She met with a couple other people. But while we had time, I wanted to drive over to see Uh, what is known as the famous Little Rock Central High School. I don't know if you know what the Little Rock Central High School was, but uh, in September of 1957, something very landmark happened there. Nine black students tried to enter um, uh, Central High School there, and and they were challenging or they were uh, challenging a ruling by the Supreme Court in 1954 that said that schools could no longer segregate white and black people. And so nine students, nine black students, tried to enter Central High School uh, in in September of 1957, September 3rd, 1957. The governor of Arkansas, who was a racist, brought out the National Guard to keep those nine from entering the school. Nine days later, a guy by the name of Davis Rowland, who was an attorney and a judge, uh, struck down another ruling and said that the governor had to remove the National Guard and let those nine black students into that school. President Dwight Eisenhower sent federal troops 
the escort, as well as the Little Rock Police Department, the escort, those nine girls, into that high school. Now, let me tell you how crazy this was. What was crazy about this is that uh, uh, eight, of the, eight of the nine girls had met together and was escorted in by a lady that was uh, uh, kind of a mentor to them. Her last name uh, was, was uh, uh, Bates. Her last name was Daisy Bates. Her name was Daisy Bates. She's led these nine students. One student uh, did not, who did not have a phone, did not know where they were meeting, and showed up to go in alone on herself. There's the iconic photograph that you can see and look up, and uh, uh, you can see online. Uh, it is a picture. She arose by herself, and as she began to walk toward to come into the school and walk into the school, she began to be accosted by those who were protesting to keep her away and to keep her out from entering the school. Matter of fact, one of the group of protesters that was keeping her out of the school was a women's Bible study. It was called the Women's Fellowship. They had met the day before at the school and had prayed on the school grounds that, that black folks would not be allowed to enter that school. That was a ladies' Bible study. You say, how could that, something like that, happen and be so, so wild and crazy as it was? The girl's name was Elizabeth Eckerd, and she, uh, uh, as she walked in, she was spit upon. She was accosted. She was uh, uh, intimidated, and had not the Little Rock police officers and the federal troops uh, walked her in, she would not have been able to enter that school. And then on the 20th of September, more other blacks had entered that school and what became uh, that school. As, as I was there with my daughter, they have a museum that's across the street. In the museum, there's videos, news coverage, there's a whole museum you can go through, and what and they had the actual video of them entering the school. And I'm sitting there watching this video on the screen. And as I'm watching the video, I see uh, uh, these the white Americans spitting on this girl. Literally spitting. You could see the spit in the video. And I thought to myself, I thought, Lord, how in the world? This is 1957. This is not 17, 1600, 1500. This is 1957. And I thought, God, how in the world does a nation ever get back to that? How in the world do we ever get to the place to where we reconcile that? To where we put in our mind and we say that that is, that is something that's right or something that should be happening in, in our nation or in our culture. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, he said, Shane, people are treating me like it's a political problem and that it can be solved by political issues. People are treating it like it's an economic problem, and it can be solved by economic issues. But I'm telling you, it's a spiritual problem. It's a heart problem. And until a man's heart changes, a man won't change. Racism comes from the heart. Racism is an attitude of the heart. Matter of fact, let me just tell you a little bit about what God says and let's go through this. Now, let me just say this. Everything I'm telling you this morning, I've researched and read. I've read documents. I'm not telling you anything that's on my own. I'm telling you, if I tell you something, I have seen it, and I've researched it, and I've read it. And also, let me say this. This may not be, I may, this may not be popular. You might get a little upset at me. But that's all right, because we just need to deal with it. Come on. Come on. 
we need to deal with. How many are tired of seeing, how many are tired of seeing our nation being torn apart because we can't get, get, get together racially? Huh? How many are tired of the enemy dividing black, white, Hispanic? How many, how many are tired of it? How many are tired, how many are tired of it uh, uh, where the world is trying to make you feel uncomfortable about being around black Americans? Huh? How many, how many are about tired of that? How many are tired of this world making you think or trying to make a black, a black Americans believe that if they're around white people, somehow they'll be taken advantage of? I'm here to tell you there's one church. There's one God. And I'm telling you, he wants to move, and this nation needs a healing, but we need to understand what are the roots of the racism, and where does it come from, and how did it begin to produce? Galatians chapter 3, beginning, let's just begin there in verse 26. It says, for you all are sons of God through Christ, in Christ Jesus, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. When you were baptized into Christ, you were put on Christ. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. Do I need to read that again? I'm going to say it for those that are in the back. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave or free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We got that right. At least we got that right. Because racism is not an ethnic problem. Racism, racism is a sin problem. And until we treat it like sin, it can't be healed. (laughs) Racism is not a preference. But though they will have you believe it's a preference. Racism is not ethnicity against ethnicity. It's, it's sin that has gotten into the heart of man. And it's a sin that can only, listen, it can only be healed and reconciled through the blood of Jesus. You can't legislate it. You can't legislate it. You hear me? You can't just make a law and all of a sudden people aren't going to be racist. Let me tell you how it comes. It comes in revival. It comes when the Spirit of God takes over a nation. It's when the Spirit of God again becomes, uh, and the Word of God all again becomes the forefront of a nation. It's when spiritual lives begin to line up with God, and man no longer allows his sin nature to rule over his flesh, but he allows his flesh to be ruled by the Holy Spirit of God, and now he walks by the Spirit. And so his sin nature is subverted. And so racism is a sin. As I thought about this, I thought of Proverbs 16.3, as I told you last week. The Bible says, commit your works to the Lord and he will establish your thoughts. Our nation's at a tipping point. Now listen, I recognize that I'm a white pastor. Pastoring a mainly white church in a white royal community, Right? You say, well, what in the world would a white pastor at a predominantly white church in a white community have to say about racism? I have a lot to say about it. You know why I have a lot to say about it? Because the Word of God has a lot to say about it. And if we're going to preach the Word of God, we've got to preach the whole counsel of God. 
We got to preach it all. See, because, listen, this is much deeper than white and black, brown, yellow. This is much deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. Matter of fact, I have a pastor friend who's lost over 100 families in his church because of statements that he made about the motives of Black Lives Matter. Now, we all know Black Lives Matter. Is that not right? We all know all lives matter, and black lives do matter. And we need to pay attention to make sure that black lives do matter, and we do to make, need to pay attention to make sure that injustices that are in this nation are dealt with. No, listen to me. The church is responsible to make sure that injustices in this nation are taken care of. <laughs> oh, I'm already getting by myself, I know. <laughs> listen, but let me tell you this. Some of you need to go and read the Black Lives Matter uh, 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 statement of what they represent. And listen, you can take a truth that is a true statement, but if the foundation is to destroy, corrupt, and and overtake, that's not God. And it's not, it's, not, it's, not the, that, it's not the statement. Listen to me. It's not the statement. Because black lives do matter. But if you approach it through the ethnicity of warfare between ethnicities, that's not how God addresses or approaches racism. Okay, y'all, you got, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're getting it. It's not an ethnic war. The church is not made up of a bunch of ethnic people. We are the body of Christ. We are in Christ Jesus. We've all been clothed with the righteousness of God. So we all should be for what is right and what is righteous. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm peddling, I'm peddling. Because racism is a human problem that is directly, that the Bible directly speaks about. And see, we live in a world where if anyone comments on racial issues today, they're immediately deemed as a racist. And that sledgehammer is a, discredits that person and will engage the issue, and, and that engages the issue and, and, and they will intimidate them and keep them from speaking out. It is, because, it is because we long to see the sin of racism abolished and its efforts and our efforts as a nation to reduce it in this nation, which makes it an uncomfortable issue. As it said there in Galatians, we're neither Jew nor Greek. We're neither slave nor free. We're neither male or female. For we are all one in Christ. And so we have to understand. But we, we look through, in the hour we look through, this hour we are looking through the lens of most racism and most dealing with the racism has to do with black and white issues. That's what dominates the discourse of our world. And, but let me tell you, racism exists with every ethnic group. Racism is a world problem, not just an American problem. Racism is, a, is, a, is an ethnos problem. It is, a, it is a problem for the world that the world is dealing with. And so it, it, it plays out like this. In other words, here's how you get people really supercharged. Can I be real? Can I be real? Is all right? I will make you mad because you won't buy me lunch today, but that's all right. I got some brats at the house I'll throw on the grill. Listen, 
Listen to this. Whites accuse blacks of whining when they bring up inequalities in life or they hearken back to past injustices. Whites accuse whites of pandering when they try to reach out and understand black issues and the difficulty of black issues. But then blacks accuse whites of being racist when they speak against the practices and policies and the beliefs of black leaders that are leading to destruction in the black community. Blacks accuse blacks of being Uncle Toms when they agree with whites on or believe with them when they believe differently than what is the narrative of the black movement at that time when black leaders are saying in a culture. Y'all with me? You understand that the core of this is a heart problem. The core of this is we always think that if you politically address it, it'll go away. Or economically address it, it will go away. But you have to understand that this being a spiritual problem, we have to understand that we have to begin to invite God into the midst of this conversation and invite God into the midst of this narrative because healing is only going to come by the power of the Holy Spirit that moves on mankind, not on just one ethnicity. So let me take you, let's, let's go through it. First of all, what is God's view of racism? How does, what does the Bible say about racism? What is racism? Matter of fact, the word racism really is a modern term. It really did not come to the turn, turn of the 20th century. But the truth is, is that racism has been around ever, ever since mankind. It's been around ever since then. But this term that we use came around in the first part of the 20th century. That, that the racism, now here's the definition of racism. It's the idea that one's own race is superior and has a right to dominate the others. The other race or a particular racial group is or to believe to be inferior to another. In other words, racism can be experienced in two ways. Now, racism is when one group thinks their race is superior to another, that their race is favored over another, or is inferior to another, or has the right to dominate another. All right? That's, that's the definition of racism. But listen, but racism can be experienced in two ways. One is racism can be experienced by favoring their own race above others, right? They favor their race above others, or by it can be, racism can be experienced by a racist who is opposed to another race. So one, it can be by favoring your race above every other race. The other can be by uh, opposing or doing things that, that oppose another race. Hang with me. I'm trying to go somewhere. America today, the racism is general. I mean, we, we use that term. We think of it in the terms of white and black, but we, we also know that it exists uh, all over the world. In other words, listen, here, here's the thing. Sometimes we think that what, we, what, what they try to say is, is that whites are always racist. I, I'm just going to be honest this morning, okay? But the narrative is, is to try to get you to believe that blacks can never be racist 
Because the narrative is, is that whites have always had an economic, always had a, uh, uh, a bias or a, a favoritism toward themselves over blacks, so blacks could never hold a position of racism. And it can happen in any other ethnic group across the world. The truth is, any ethnic group or any race can be biased toward any other race. It's not just one race that dominates other races. Every race has the ability to express racism toward everyone else. Am I making sense? Traditionally, there are only four categories of race. Some, some, uh, some say five, but most categories are four, which is Caucasian, Mongoloid, uh, Negroloid, and Australoid. All of these are descendants of race. But when we talk about race today, there are over 24,000 different ethnic groups in the world. Matter of fact, in 1950, the United Nations stopped identifying people by race and started identifying them by ethnic group. Remember what I said in the beginning. God deals with nations. He deals with people. But the world, in the spirit of Nimrod, deals with ethnicity. Because if he can confuse ethnicity, if he can bring confusion and strife among ethnicity, then what he can do is he can cause confusion and disruption and trouble and heartache and pain. Because listen, you can be in the same nation and still have ethnicities at each other. Look at the Middle East, right? Look at, look at, like, look at Iraq. You have Sunnis and you have the Shiite. They, they have different languages. They live in the same nation. They, have this, they, they come from the same racial profile, but they hate one another. Why? Because the spirit of racism has divided them when really they're just alike. You see what the, how the enemy uses ethnicity to divide people? When God says, no, you need to look at the world through humanity as I see it, I see the world through nations. All right, okay, well, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm getting. <laughs> In other words, the biblical view of racism, the biblical view of race is this. The biblical view is that there is one race, it's the human race. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to know that. God is not looking. God is not favoring ethnicities over others. Matter of fact, I, I'm going to break it down more. Y'all want me to break it down more? Let me break it down a little bit more. The Bible generally divides humankind or mankind not in ethnicity and not so much in nations, but he breaks them down into those who follow God and those who don't follow God. <laughs> Help me now. Come on. There are those. Listen. Let, let me tell you what matters. What matters, God matters about two things. He wants the world to know him as God. There are those that follow him and there are those that don't follow him. You can be white and not follow God. You can be whatever ethnicity there is and be away from God. You can be whatever ethnicity there is and, be, and have a relationship with God. 
It doesn't make one race better than the other. It doesn't make one race preference than the other. What God says, I'm looking at the world and there's those that are with me and then there's those that are against me. The question is not are you white or are you black or are you Hispanic this morning. The question is, do you belong to Jesus? Huh? Do you belong to Christ? Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood? Come on, somebody. Huh? I tell you, God hears prayers in German. God hears prayers in Chinese. God hears prayers in whatever ethnic group there is. Though there's many languages, there's one God. And the question is, what side do you stand on this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on. I'm on. Listen. (laughs) Woo! Hey, <laughs> woo! Come on now. Jesus is good. I said Jesus is good. It's a relationship with God that matters. Race, ethnicity, and skin is all superficial. <laughs> See, I know. Listen. How you make fun of where I am, you know? I know, I know you walking through the streets with your Cuban flag. I know. <laughs> right? Nothing wrong with being proud of your heritage. Nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, God, we, we are to be proud of who we are nationally. But I will say this. This might make some of you mad. But I will say this. I do feel, I do feel like things like the Confederate flag things like that that were born out of racism, that are flown, were not flown because of a nation. They were flown because of the hostility towards a people. Okay, well, I'm just, that's my opinion. I know I'm in the South. That's all I'm saying. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That flag matters. That's the banner I march under. That's first. And then I'm proud to be an American. That's second. And, and listen, I'm not, I'm not getting into that debate, but I'm just telling you. But let me tell you, let me tell you what science acknowledges. Science acknowledges that you and I, that, that you and I, that whether we're white, black, Hispanic, Puerto Rican, whatever we are, no matter what we are, We are 99.9% the same in all areas. The only difference is our skin pigmentation. 99.9.9, actually it's 99.99%. In other words, skin color, ethnicity, all of these things are superficial, and let me tell you, they will pass away. But what matters is that you and everyone in this world have been made with a soul, and we all have the same soul. And the question is, are you belong to God or do you not belong to God? In other words, we have the same genetic makeup. And I want to tell you, we're fighting over 00.01%. Listen to me. Our nation is burning itself down over 00.01% of our makeup. 
We're killing each other. Did you all see the young man's father that was killed in CHOP when we was up at CHOP? Did you see the, the, the black man who was on Hannity that his son was killed right there on the corner? And, and, and a lot of those, listen, I, they would not even let the paramedics in to get him after he was shot. He laid there. Hour and 45 minutes before anybody could get to him. He wasn't a black man. He was a human being. And until you begin to see people as human beings and not black and not Hispanic and not the skin color or what they are in the eye, until you see that as somebody that God has put life in them himself, then you'll never have the value of life. That's why he's able to lay there an hour and a half and they won't let, because the the paramedics were white, they wouldn't let him get to him. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody mad this morning. I'm just telling you, that young man was a human being. Oh, my God. The Bible rejects racism all through. Matter of fact, the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says, and he has made us from one blood, listen, from one blood, every nation of men. Whew. From one blood, one nation of men. One blood, one blood, Every nation of men from one blood. Listen, let me tell you, everybody in this room, we're all cousins. You know why? There's been 150 generations since Adam. 150 generations. You and I go all the way back to Adam and Eve. I'm just telling you. Some of you may be my 150th cousin. (laughs) But we're related. Because one blood... He birthed all nations and all nationalities. I've never seen anybody's blood pour out blue or green. And Jesus didn't die for white Americans. He didn't die for this, these or them or Chinese or Asians and leave everybody else out. Jesus died for mankind and all men. James warns us in James chapter 2 verse 9, but if you show pref partiality, You commit sin. You hear what I'm saying? Racism is sin. If you show partiality, you commit sin. If you show partiality, and it says, and and convict and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. If you show partiality, in other words, it, it really means ethnic, ethnic preference is what the word means. If you show James is preaching. And he says, if you show ethnic preference, you is sin. And he said, if you have sinned, you have, you are, you have broken the law and, and, uh, and you are convicted of being a transgressor of the law. You know, in Galatians 3.28 there, it says what? It says, nor Jew nor Greek, that's, that's ethnicity, but it also says slave or free. 
You know what that addresses? Elitism. It also says male, female. You know what that addresses? Sexism. See, value is not based on race. Listen to me. Value is not based on race. God's view of ethnicity does not involve race, but only whether or not an individual knows him. That's how he views mankind. Matter of fact, let me read what the Apostle John said about the last days when all of the churches gathered together. He said, I looked and behold a great multitude that no man could number from every nation, from every tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with with palm branches in their hand. Let me tell you, let me tell you who's going to be in heaven. Those who know Christ. It's going to be every nation. It's going to be every tongue. It's going to be every race. There'll be them standing there. And what identifies them is this. They will be wearing robes of righteousness with palm branches in their hand. I'm telling you. It's not my whiteness that identifies me. But what identifies me is that when I gave my life to Jesus, I put on the robe of righteousness and I now belong to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I could go on and, and and I don't have a whole lot of time. I wish I could have the time to take you back to black history in America. I've been reading the Frederick Douglass papers. And I've been reading a lot of the abolitionists who have been writing from, from all the way back to the colonial days. Because I just wanted to know, let me tell you, let me tell you a tragedy that's happened in America. First of all, we're not preaching the correct history in America. We're lying about what happened in the early days of our nation. I shared some of that with you on Independence Day. They've lied to you and said that our nation is an atheistic nation. I want to tell you the Bible was at the forefront of the Declaration of Independence. There are 14 principles of Scripture that are interwoven inside the Declaration of Independence. There are 257 idioms that we speak every day that come from the Bible. 57. 257. Most people don't even know that when they say certain things, they're quoting the Bible. The Bible was so ingrained in our nation that even our least spiritual forefathers would not go against the fact of the Bible being the foundation of the principles that set our, not only our Constitution, but set the course of our judges, that set the course of all of our rule of law, all came out of the principles of the Word of God. And so you read articles that say things like this, that America was an atheistic nation. I'm here to tell you not. Look up men like Benjamin Rush. Let me tell you, y'all heard of Samuel Adams? Y'all, every time, you know, Samuel Adams, what do y'all think of? Y'all think of beer. (laughs) That's what you know about Samuel Adams. You think of beer. (laughs) Thank God for our founding father. Y'all don't even know the half of it. Samuel Adams was one of the first abolitionists who fought in the halls of Congress in 1808 to abolish slavery, period. 
Him and Benjamin Rush. You know who Benjamin Rush was? Benjamin Rush was, a, was an American who was the father of the public school system, started five universities. Three of them are still active today. He started, he was a white, he was a white colonial that started the first black denomination. The AMC Church that you know of today was started and founded by Benjamin Rush and James Allen, a black preacher by the name of James Allen. They pastored St. John's Church, which is just down the street from, from uh, uh, Independence Hall. It is where they would go and where they would pray. It was a large congregational black church. Benjamin Rush trained black doctors. He educated black preachers. He started the first black denomination. Did you all know that it was two black African American, two, two black Americans that were responsible for the victories at Bunker Hill? In the Revolutionary War, black Americans fought along the side of white Americans. Not so in the, in the Civil War because of the segregation. James Armistead, who was a black patriot, was a spy, was responsible for the Yorktown victory in 1781. His information that was given to George Washington gave them entrance into Yorktown, which literally allowed them to win the war. He was a black American. Peter Salem, a black patriot, who was a hero of the 1775 Battle of Bunker Hill, who had fought as, as one who led the regiment of, of the legendary Minutemen and was a soldier that was responsible for Saratoga and also led armies into Stony Point. In fact, there's a monument erected to him in Massachusetts today of his life works and his contribution in helping America become a nation. No, there's more, y'all. Y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even, we, we don't even know. You know why? Because we're not taught. I'm here to tell you the atheists of this world is trying to push everything that's godly out of the way. They're trying to divide white and black and trying to divide by ethnicity and trying to tell us who we are and what we represent and what we're about. Did y'all know? Listen to this. The famous painting of 1776 of George Washington crossing the Delaware. How many know that painting? And you all see it? Washington standing up. I bet you all didn't know this. Guess who were the closest two men to Washington in that photo? There were two black men. They were, two, they were two soldiers by the name of Prince Wilbur and, uh, and Oliver Cromwell. Both of them were freed, were freed men who sat right next to Washington as he crossed the Delaware. Fought right along white troops. Let me give you something even scarier. Y'all going to get more mad at me. Let, me. let me tell you something. The lie has been that the Declaration of Independence is racist. And that it was a document that approved slavery. Can I tell you there were seven provisions that were put in the, docu- in the, in the, the, doc- the, doc- the Constitution. I'm sorry. Seven provisions in the Constitution that was put in there to keep the promotion of slavery. Let me give you some more shocking facts. All of slavery in the world in the 1700s, of the 100% of slavery that was in the world, North America only accounted for 8% of slavery. of all slavery was around the world. Let me shock you some more. Indians had slaves. 
Black Americans had slaves. <laughs> See, y'all, y'all don't even, y'all hearing me? Can I tell you the first slave ships that came over from Africa in the 1600s and 1619, there were 75, 75 slave traders that were arrested and prosecuted by the Puritans in the 1600s? Did you know that? Did you know that, that it was illegal and the Puritans would not allow slaves to be? Now, here's what happened. What happened was is that the South became indoctrinated and they began to have, listen, most slaves in America that started out in America were, were called what was indentured servants. In other words, they worked in the house and listen, they wanted opportunity to come to America. They were paid. After a certain number of years, they were free. Listen to me. They were freed. Many of them never left because they didn't have the education or they didn't have the wherewith to go out and start on their own, and they felt secure where they were, and the relationships that they had were good relationships, so they just stayed with the families they were with. Then there was the hardcore plantation slavery of the South, which was horrific. Listen to me. It was horrific. Our nation should be ashamed of it. Someone said to me one time, well, in the Constitution, listen, I'll tell you how I know this, because I spent a lot of time calling a lot of black people this week. <laughs> Are you all with me? Am I boring you? I, I don't mean to bore you. Did you listen to this. The th have you all heard of the three-fifths provision in the Declaration of Independence? Many of the forefathers are accused of promoting racism because of that provision. Let me tell you the, what, what that provision was about. That provision was about those, those Americans that were forefathers in the South that had plantation slavery. They accounted for most of the slavery in America. What they wanted was is they wanted their slaves to be counted as individuals so that they could have greater representation in Congress. So the more slaves they had... The more they could count, the more their districts would be represented in Congress, the more influence of the South they would have in Congress. The North recognized that. And the North said, no, you cannot count every slave because what you guys are doing, most of you guys are not counting them as slaves, you're counting them as, as a property. How I many know no human being is a property? Let me tell you what the fool Aristotle said. Aristotle said there's, there's four types of life. There's plant life. There's beast, life, there's soul, and Aristotle said that slaves were part beast and part man. What an idiot. Some considering some of the smartest man that ever walked around. I call him, the Bible calls him a fool. And he said that the men that were slaves were men that had lesser, lesser value than others. That's why when you come to the Roman times, slaves were dealt with differently. Slaves could actually be crucified if they ran away. Okay, come on. Listen. Here's the point I'm making. We don't know a lot of our black history. We don't know like men like William, uh, William Nell. We don't know men like Frederick Douglass. We've never been taught what these men have contributed. We've never talked about Eldridge Gary or James Wilson or, or, or Roger Sherman. These men who were stoutly against slavery. Black American history is a history that's not been taught. And because of that, we don't know how, how awesome God has raised black Americans up to do extraordinary things in our nation. 
So we're just taught ethnicity. Stay with your white people. Stay with your black people. Stay with your Hispanics. When I was pastoring in Arkansas, I don't know if I should say this on live stream or not, cut it out. When I was pastoring in Arkansas, I had a deacon that was a racist. I wanted to reach out to a black community, and he said, there ain't no way we're going over there to minister to those. I said, all right. I said, that's fine, bro. So I started bringing them in, and I started sending them to his Sunday school class. He got so mad at me, tried to run me out of town. He said, white churches have white churches, black churches have black churches. I said, sir, you are wrong. You are wrong. The blood of Jesus was shed for all mankind. I want to tell you, 13 months later, they ran me out of that town on a rail. No, they did. I'm telling you the truth. You ask my wife. That was the root of why they ran me off. Well, I left. I tried to remove him. We better get it together as a nation. We better pull it together. We better realize what Acts 17, 26 says. That God has made all nations and he's made them and he appointed them and placed them for an appointed time. I'm closing. Jesus. There's a wonderful picture of a story in the Bible. I don't have time to go through it. But there was a slave named Onesimus. He was a We're not sure what his ethnicity was, but he was a slave to Philemon, who was the the father of the Colossal Church. He He was the bishop of the Colossal Church. Onesimus, the scripture says, it says, first of all, that Philemon was a kind man. Paul said he was kind, kind hearted. And Onesimus, who had stolen from him as a slave, he was a he was an indentured slave. In other words, he was a slave, more likely paying off a debt. In other words, in those days, if families did not have the money to do certain things, they would, the, the wealthy would lend them money. They would work for them to pay back that debt. They were indentured slaves. They weren't slaves like we think of slaves in the South being abused. But Onesimus ended up stealing from Philemon. He left and he went to Rome. To hide. And he happened to run in to the Apostle Paul. Go figure that out. And the Bible said that when he came upon Paul in Rome, we learn that his relationship with God changed. Paul led him into a conversion with Christ. Paul not only led him into a conversion with Christ, Paul discipled him. And Paul said this, Paul said... He said to Philemon, he said, I have Onesimus. And I'm sure Philemon was mad. You know, Roman slaves could be killed in a moment. They were crucified. 
They were crucified. And so Paul said, I'm sending him back to you. (laughs) But he said, Philemon, I'm sending him back, but I want you to understand a couple things. Number one, he's not the man he was when he left. He's changed. He's coming to make restitution and to bring repentance. He's coming to patch things up. Now Philemon could have very easily wrote Onesimus off because of his ethnicity. Could have wrote him off because of who he was. But he comes back. And Paul said, when he comes, when he returns, I want you to receive him. I want you to receive him. I want you to receive him as if you would receive me. He said, when you receive him, I want you to receive him, and if there's any debt he owes, Paul said, put it to my account. But I'm sending him back not as a brother, or not as a slave, but I'm sending him back as a brother. The name Onesimus means useful. When he left, the Bible says he was unprofitable to Philemon. His name meant useful. In other words, Philemon only knew him not by his not by the nature of who he really was. He only knew him by his his ethnicity and knew him by his failure. Paul said he was unprofitable to you before. Now I'm sending back and he's going to be more profitable to you than ever before. See, all of us have God's purpose in us, and we're not always expressing that purpose. But I'm telling you, when God gets a hold of us and changes us, we live up to what he has put inside of us. It's a beautiful picture of reconciliation in the scripture. Now, let me tell you what the Bible doesn't tell you. Adam, come. Let me tell you what the Bible doesn't tell you about Onesimus. Onesimus came back, church history says Onesimus came back and became part of the church there at Colossa. Philemon pastored the church at Colossa. He sent back and he served Philemon. He served him for many years. He didn't serve him as a slave, he served him as a brother. There's a piece in church history that's written by the Bishop of Antioch, and he writes this. He writes a letter to the Bishop at Colossa, and the letter is thanking the Bishop at Colossa for his kindness and his generosity and his mercy toward the slaves that had came through Colossa on their way to Ephesus. Onesimus The bishop of Colossa at the time that the archbishop of Antioch wrote that was Onesimus. He went from a slave to a brother to the head of the church at Colossa. All because Philemon was willing to reconcile his relationship back with him. He led the Colossa church for many years. 
And here now, he showed the same mercy to other slaves that were shown to him. Y'all getting it? Y'all know God's a restorer. God's a reconciler. God heals. God is the only one that can fix this thing in our nation. God is the only one that can fix it. God is the only one that can help it. Stand with me if you would this morning. Let me tell you how, how this is going to fix, be fixed. There needs to be racial reconciliation. There needs to be relational reconciliation. But trust needs to be rebuilt. And white Americans are going to have to do whatever it takes so that black Americans can trust white Americans again. And black Americans are going to have to do whatever it takes for white Americans to trust black Americans. Because, see, if you don't, if you, if you're not, if you don't want restoration, then you don't, you don't want restoration, you want absolution. Absolution means this. Absolute means I want you to, to relieve me of whatever I've done to you without responsibility, without consequence, and without recompense. Do you know that racial relationships is all about accountability? It's all about responsibility. I want to tell you, it was a great honor for this church today to baptize Anthony. I mean, a great honor. But we need a move of God. And the true question this morning is, are you with him? Or are you not with him? And my call to you this morning is, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to ask Jesus into your heart. He crosses ethnicity to the heart. Maybe you have been abused racially. Maybe you have felt it. Maybe you have been singled out. Or maybe you've been judged based upon your economic condition. Or you've been judged based upon who you are or what you don't have, or what you have done. Maybe you've not been able to get rid of a reputation that is there, but I'm here to tell you the blood of Jesus washes everything clean. Look at me. Do you know him this morning? Do you know him? Do you know him? If you don't know him, step out of right where you are. And walk right down here to this altar. And get your new identity. Because you're not white and black this morning. You're either lost or saved. You either have the robe of righteousness on or you don't. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. (laughs) I ain't going to hell, y'all. I'm not. It's hot there. I ain't going. I'm not going. My trust is in Christ and Christ alone. And I want to tell you, I can worship next to a black man, a white man, a Hispanic man, a Chinese man. 
I want to tell you something. When I first got saved, I went to this Bible training institute, and there was this brother from South Africa. We was in a prayer meeting, and all these white people were praying. You know how white people pray? Lord, thou lovest thee. Help us today. Come be among us, Lord. We love you. You all know how white people pray? Well, this brother from South Africa comes in. He's got a coat hanger and a Coke can. A coat hanger and a Coke Coke can. And he looks around. He's wondering why we're so somber. He starts beating on this Coke can and dancing. And he's like, you know, he's singing these hymns. And he's going around. All of a sudden, all these out of rhythm white people start trying to keep up with him. It was kind of like one of those, uh, like, America's Funniest Home Videos. All these old white dudes that are just like, and I'm looking around going, I'm 20-something, I'm looking, my goodness. And this black guy, he's, he's getting it, man. He's, getting, he's put all his energy that he can into it. Do you know Jesus? Would you come? Anybody? I'd like to receive Christ today. Anybody want to give Jesus a try? The devil will take you back. I'll just tell you, he'll take you back. Anybody want, to, anybody want to give him a try? The greatest decision I made was giving my life to Christ. But we're going to pray. I want you all to love every nation and every tribe and every ethnicity. I want to be a church that loves every nation. Every group. We're going to pray. Father, just lift your hands to the Lord. You know, the presence of the Lord has been here all day long. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for reconciliation. Lord, I'm telling you, there's groups out there that are trying to destroy the fabric of this nation. They're lying to our black Americans. They're lying to our white Americans. They're all about destroying and tearing and ripping and all about the spirit of Nimrod, which brings confusion and riotousness. But I'm here to tell you that there is a nation of believers, white and black, Hispanic, of every tongue and nation that are righteous, that I pray will stand up in this hour, lock arms together, and fight a devil that's trying to steal a generation. And I pray, God, the Holy Spirit would be on each of us today, that we would be ever so cautious and ever so sensitive, God, to the, to the spirit of this hour. We pray for a harvest of souls, not just white and black souls, but of nations coming to God. We pray this morning that you would allow us to be men and women of God who look as an individual, not by their color, not by the 00.01% that makes us different, but by the 99.99% that makes us alike. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.